welcome to the Pillars for Purposeful Motherhood podcast. I am your host, Brita Wallace, and I am just so happy that you are tuning in. So make sure that you follow the podcast so you can get the notifications for new episodes and see what else we have going on with the show. For those of you who don't know, on Monday mornings, there is a message and a prayer for moms at 830, if that is your thing or if you're curious or uh, are just exploring um, or are a mama of some strong faith. Uh, the episodes that we do on Tuesdays and Thursdays, unless the topic um, in the description does say we will be talking about a faith-based uh, subject. Uh, most of the time, uh, the majority of the time, these topics are mainstream and they're for anybody. They're not necessarily based on any specific faith um, at all. But I do just feel in my heart to offer that to moms who want it um, and who are seeking it um, or who who are curious um, on Monday mornings at 8.30. So there is an option for you. And then on Tuesdays, we have teaching of my own as you are attending today. Uh, And then on Thursdays, there are episodes with expert guest speakers at 10 a.m. And in all three of these episodes that you can catch weekly from the Pillars for Purposeful Motherhood, or on the Pillars for Purposeful Motherhood, I should say, we talk about a variety of different topics to help moms on their mama journey. No topic is off of the table. So anything um, that you can think of, go back through the episodes that are posted and look and see if this episode can help you on your mama journey because I bet you there is an episode that can help you um, and that you would relate to. So today we're going to hop in to our topic. Uh, Who is the mom that you want to be or the mom that you want to be? And this is a, this is a very personal and vulnerable uh, conversation and talk that I'm going to have with you uh, today. And I just, it's hard for me to talk about this. It's hard for me uh, to go here, but I think that I'm going to help a lot of moms um, as we talk about this. And I think it's something that we need to talk about. And then it's really, really important uh, thing to focus on, especially this year. We kind of have this um, since 2023 started this topic of conversation going on or this theme, right, of really focusing on our mind and how our mind uh, controls a lot of what we do. Um, And we've been talking about just to fill you in really quickly um, and just to give you just an idea of some of the things we've been talking about, um, whether it's on Monday or Tuesday or Thursday, um, but how our thoughts control our feelings and our feelings control our actions and we really have to uh, take our thoughts captive and really um, start changing our mindset about things and what we focus on because it matters. And that's really all I'm going to say about that. There are episodes you can go back and listen to um, in regards to to those things. Most of our Tuesday conversations and even Monday morning prayer conversations, the message is about, you know, really watching how we're showing up and what we're thinking about and what we're focusing on. Um, So, but today we're going to jump into this topic. So mom, I'm going to start with asking you a question. And that question is, who is the mom you want to be? And no, this is not a trick question. Some might say it's a leading question, but it's not a trick. It's genuine, and I'm looking for you to answer honestly for yourself. Is this question, who is the mom you want to be or who is the mom I want to be, something that you have ever consciously thought about when you are in a calm, neutral state, or is this something that maybe has come uh, come up when you maybe are not your best and you behave or respond in a way that makes you cringe? Ugh, I yelled again. Ugh, I shamed my child again. Ugh, this is not the mom I want to be. We often know who the mom we don't want to be is, but do you ever ask yourself who the mom you want to be is? And there's a big difference there, okay? And I believe answering this question is something that we really need to ask and answer for ourselves 
to become the mom that we want to be. So stick with me here, okay? So often, I am consumed with the negative responses that come up in my parenting and the mom I don't want to be. So often, I am telling myself these stories about myself that have literally made it so I was kept in a struggle or a chain that I felt couldn't be broken. Why? Because I was focused on the mom I knew I didn't want to be. Not that this is a bad thing. It's good to acknowledge negative identities that we don't want to associate ourselves with. But all too often, we are too focused on those negative, uh, those negative things to move forward into the positive. And where we fa- stay focused is what we get more of. If we keep focusing on how we failed yet again today, then we're going to keep showing up feeling like failures and we're already going to be defeated before the day even starts if we keep focusing on how much we don't want to be like our own angry parent yet are triggered by our own children then guess what we will keep showing up as that angry parent when we are triggered again why because it's where our focus is We need to change our focus. I'm going to tell you a really vulnerable story for me. And this is never something I like talking about. And I'm pretty vague in the seriousness of it when I do talk about it. Although I'm also very transparent about it as well. You get me? Hopefully I didn't just confuse the heck out of you. But talking about this just makes me feel all sorts of feelings and emotions And if I'm being honest, uh, sometimes I'm fearful of the judgment that I might receive from others. I'm uncomfortable when I talk about this. I feel like I'm doing something wrong when I talk about this because of shame that has been put on me by those in my family who do not want me to talk about this. And I could just go on and on, right? But not doing those things because of fear and because they're uncomfortable or because others don't want me to because of how it makes them feel are not good enough reasons. Especially when there's a message here that I believe other moms need to hear. There's a lesson here that other moms need to learn and there's freedom here that I believe other moms need. So I'm gonna share a story with you today and I hope that you can be loving and merciful and full of grace and if not then you're not my people or a part of my future and the negativity that is said about me has no place in the places God is taking me so it doesn't matter judging others is a reflection of our own hearts and not those who we are judging I thought I would just throw that little disclaimer in uh, right there quick before uh, we got started But let's get back to the reason that we're here today. So not too long ago, uh, I had a morning where I got up early. I was working on doing my routine, my journals that I try to do every morning, my devotional studies, my worship with my coffee. This is the my favorite part of my day. So my oldest son, Jack, he comes downstairs shortly after me, but was really doing a great job of entertaining himself and getting himself his own breakfast and really allowing me to have this time to myself and with God that I value so much and that keeps me grounded and healthy. And maybe it's something different for you. We are all on our own journey, right? Um, And we all have those things that we just feel like really good when we do them. This is my thing. Um, And the next thing you know, here comes my terrifying three-year-old in a mood. And yes, terrifying. You know why I say that? That's truly straight from my human development book, textbook. It's the terrible twos and the terrifying threes. Um, And raise your hand, like nod your head, do whatever you have to do, but mama, can you relate? I mean, threes, I believe, are tougher than twos. Um, So anyway, he comes downstairs and the energy shifts. He woke up, he's just not in a good mood. 
He's on a quest to make everyone else uh, in a bad mood with him. I don't know, like, seriously, if he's doing that intentional, but he's just really, you know, he does get in these moods where he'll, like, just come and get right in your face and do something that's, like, going to upset somebody. And I just think it's because he doesn't know how to handle his big emotions. I'm not saying, like, oh, he, like, literally intentionally thinks about doing this on purpose right like he's three so no developmentally he doesn't have the ability to think this complex about the situation that's not what I'm saying so and I just wanted to clarify so he he's just making sure you know we know that he's not happy he's making noise knocking things over start starting a fight with his brother and just to put a side note on this this is my sweet little joy-filled shy guy who really has an underlying chill spirit and goes with the flow but he also suddenly can turn into a terror and yes this is three for us and some days I want to run away from from three not my sweet struggling boy But let's just fast forward through the difficulties and the teaching and the correcting and get to the part where we are through this stage. Because if I am honest, it is my least favorite stage. And it was with my oldest too. It was hard with him too. Um, But anyway, this guy comes downstairs and within a matter of just a few short minutes, the atmosphere turned from peace to complete chaos and destruction And no one even said boo to this kid. He woke up this way. Of course, we said good morning, and that's probably what started it. Um, Because if Oliver is in a mood, he does not appreciate being talked to. Not even nicely. Not at all. Don't talk to him. He needs a space, and that's okay. We've learned that about him. But I do draw a line when destruction and chaos starts to ensue. It's been the most difficult thing for me to handle in my life. And I have realized recently, not just as a mom, but for my entire life. And because of this and the depletion I felt and not finishing my happy journals or my happy coffee, I lost it. I completely and utterly lost my cool and I joined the chaos, not the physical destruction that was taking place, but the verbal destruction destruction that was taking place I immediately went into flight or fight and I jumped right in head first moments like these for me are even more difficult than dealing with the terrifying threes moments like these are completely and utterly defeating for me moments like these for me makes me feel like an inauthentic failure because I know better I'm not just a mom. I'm a mom who teaches other moms. I'm a mom who coaches other moms. I am a mom who has the best tools, the best intel into my kids, the best knowledge, the best training. And yet here I am having moments like these. Sadly and unfortunately, this isn't the first time this has happened. But this time it did something totally unusual to me. This time, I got up, I went upstairs, shut my bedroom door, and I laid down. My husband was up by this time. All the craziness, I'm sure, probably woke him up, right? So I went into my room, and I laid in my bed, and I cried. I've cried before many times over things like this, over worrying about messing up my kids, over so many things parenting or that I have had to endure as a mom or as a mom of a special needs child. But this time it was different. I was defeated in a way that I had never been defeated before. And I remember having the thought that if this wasn't rock bottom, then I must be close. I didn't feel that way necessarily because of the situation, but because of how depleted it made me feel. Because of how defeated I felt. I stayed in bed all day, mamas. All day. Luckily, and I don't do that. I mean, unless I'm like really, really sick. 
Luckily, I have an amazing husband. This is not something I have ever remembered doing at any other point in my life unless I was deathly sick, right? Like I, I was just saying, what mom stays in bed all day? I don't remember that happening since this horrible bug I had when I was pregnant with Oliver. I thought I was in labor. That's how much pain I was in. Nope, just the devil of stomach flus. <laughs> but this day, I stayed in bed and I didn't sleep, although I felt like I could sleep for a week. In less than 10 minutes, that situation downstairs depleted every ounce of energy I had within me and I had nothing left. So much of nothing, I felt like I could sleep and stay there for a week. I wanted to sleep and maybe a good cry and a long nap would have done me some good, but I couldn't sleep. I had so much on my mind. I was thinking about so many things. A lot of them included who I used to be and that was something at the time that I thought about a lot. I had thoughts of how I used to be fun. I used to dance around all the time. Didn't matter where I was or what I was doing. Music didn't even have to be on. I could literally sometimes just be dancing to the music in my head and I'm not even kidding. This is who I was. I danced in the kitchen, I danced at work, I had dance parties in my living room. I used to go dancing every weekend before I had kids and got married. And somewhere along the line, I stopped dancing. And I sat there, or I laid there, and I mourned this girl that I used to be because she used to be happier. She hardly ever lost her temper or yelled, what happened? Why don't I dance anymore? Where did I get so disconnected from who I am? And the things that I did to make myself happy. Another thing I reflected on about the version of myself from my past was that I used to be the girl who got what she wanted for as long as I remembered. I always got what I wanted since I was a little girl in every situation except for with my mom. I could never break her, but I knew how, I, how to get what I wanted and I did. And sometimes this wasn't always in the most honest and best ways, but the point I am trying to make here is that I always knew how to get what I wanted and go after whatever I wanted. I was so consumed with what I wanted, I did everything in my power to make that a reality in my life. And if you use this skill for good, this is a good skill to have. And as I reflected on these things, I also, about, I also thought, excuse me, <clears throat> about why I responded to these chaotic and destructive situations like I did sometimes. Because I don't respond this way every time. I work dang hard to not respond this way. And sometimes I really show up on my A game. And I would like to say I am more on that side of the fence than the other. Uh but I want to be on my A-game all the time. I want to stop having these terribly negative and defeating responses. Funny thing, about five years ago, I really felt God put on my heart to call my dad and tell him that he was going to uh, break the generational chains of anger in our family through me. I didn't listen at first. I didn't want to call my dad. I was like, can I write him a letter? Um, and those of you who don't, you know, like have faith or, or are new to faith or just exploring or whatever, this isn't like God's voice, like speaking to me. I'm not hearing voices, but it's a longing on your heart. And those who like know what it's like to have a relationship with God and, and to get discernment from God. And uh, this was a time in my life where God did give me a lot of discernment um, and, and, and would direct my path. I just didn't want, like, there's this two-week time period, and I talked about this this morning, ironically, um, in in my prayer uh, time on, you know, this, um, this is Monday when I'm recording this, so I talked about this this morning as I did prayer, and 
you know, I said, I always, for some reason, this isn't intentional, just ponder over things that God asks me to do for two weeks. It always ends up being two weeks. I never noticed this until after the fact. And I'm like, oh, I just had to like really make sure that this was from God because I question it. But it is this longing on my heart. It continues to just not me and not me and not me. And it gets louder, right? It's like, gets stronger. This like, I need to do this gets stronger and I know that it's God so I did call my dad I you know I was like can I write a letter at first um I don't feel like God like said no you cannot write a letter but it was just like call your dad call your dad call your dad call your dad um and that was the answer I gave you the answer I don't need to answer that question I gave you the answer (laughs) you know um and I I really really pondered this and I just really needed to make sure this was God saying this and not just me. Uh, and I eventually had called my dad. I cried. I was overwhelmed with joy and gratefulness. And I thought, well, that's it. Here we go. Never did I think I would be in these situations that I'm in. Okay, mama. Never did I think doing any of this, dealing with de-escalating and conquering these generational chains of anger in my family would be so utterly difficult. This is a long chain. And whether you are a person of faith or not, we have generational chains in our families. This is this is how we develop. This is science. This is genetics. You see long lines of alcoholism. You see long lines of anger. These are things that are passed down from generation to generation to generation, and somebody has to break the cycle. And I believe truly and wholeheartedly that God was saying, you're going to break this cycle. But how am I going to break this cycle when I don't respond in the most appropriate ways myself sometimes? When this is something that I struggle with too, right? This chain in my family goes back so many generations, three that I'm aware of, and who knows how long before that, but that's three chains, and now I see this in my boys, okay? I see this anger in them. I never saw it in me too much in my life Um, on the outside. Yes, I would get mad. My mom and I would fight. My sisters and I would fight. Um, But everybody was mad together. Everybody, you know, like you get upset about things in life and you go through a teenager and hormones. And I feel like a lot of that was normal uh, for me in my life. But like the, the anger, this is different. This is, there's a hold, right? Um, and, and in most cases, I suppressed my anger. It was held internally inside of me. And maybe that's why I struggle, you know, sometimes with it now. And I had an occasional outburst, but if I felt myself getting angry like that at somebody, I just decided that person wasn't worth being in my life. And obviously I can't feel that way about my kids. Like I don't, like my kids are my kids. I love them. I'm not like, oh, well, they're just not worth being in my life. That's absolutely false information. Um, and, and in some cases that has suited me very well in my life. I've ended relationships um, because I'm just like, I'm just getting all of these angry feelings and, you know, this person is fighting with me all the time and this isn't who I am or what I want. And I've literally been seeking peace since I was a kid and trying to find it and gain it. And I tell my kids, like my oldest child, when he's not having a bad day, he'll say to, you know, his brother, mom values peace. Let's keep the peace, you know? And a lot of times he's the one causing the chaos. Um, not necessarily by like being destructive or throwing things or, you know, doing things to the extreme that his brother does. Um, although he was a tough three-year-old too. And that's the thing is that when we go through the tantrum phase of childhood and and the terrifying threes stage of t- childhood, it's intense for me and my husband. It's intense because of this anger that lives inside of him. And let me just tell you, my kids have never been exposed to us throwing things. They've never been exposed to us like just going over and like swiping things off a counter or knocking over a chair. They've never been exposed 
to us responding that way that is not something that they have ever seen come from their dad or me. We might yell sometimes um, and just really kind of just lose our minds. And I feel like that is true for many parents if we're being honest with ourselves that that's what happens. I'm saying for me, it's so defeating for me to see my boys go through what they go through because I've literally watched that happen um, in my family my entire life. I've literally run from that my entire life. Any situation that I have been involved in, any relationship that I have been involved in, I have walked away from if it got to an intense level. And as a mom, I can't do that. I'm here in it. I'm stuck in it. And I feel it too. It just eats at me and it defeats me. And then I feel myself getting angry and I'm triggered by the trauma that I have been exposed to. And I say to God, how? How am I supposed to break these chains? What am I supposed to do with this? I don't know what to do with this. There are tools that I have um, that involve you know, gently holding your child and until they're calm, um, which is really difficult to do at seven months pregnant when you're trying to, uh, you know, get a hold of an angry three-year-old who is very, very strong. I have very strong boys, very big, very strong boys for their age. Uh, my kids walked at eight months and nine months old. I'm not saying that like, oh, they are like so advanced or anything. My one child is very, very intelligent, is very in- advanced in like most things in his life, except for emotional uh, intelligence and um, even at his, because of his ADHD and, and anxiety and stuff, he's actually behind in some of those skills, impulse. Um, like he's just very impulsive and that uh, has to do with like he's that of like a three-year-old um and we work really hard in those things and that they could be a lot worse but because of the tools and the skills that I have and you know we work really hard on building those things and we've given him tools he uses those tools very very well elsewhere and I think because he does such a good job of using them elsewhere sometimes he comes home and he just melts down and at all you know, all of the energy that he puts into using those tools when he's at school or at somebody's house, he comes home and he just can't do it anymore. And that's normal. Um, that's saying, hey, this is, you know, unfortunate for parents, I guess, um, in a sense. But we have to think about that stuff when our kids like really come home and melt down and people are like, oh, they're so well behaved here. No, I don't see that at school or whatever. This is their safe place. They feel safe to do that. And that's a good thing. So just dealing with this, it's just so hard. And I know if my mom is listening right now, which sometimes she does, my extreme tantrums, I did have extreme tantrums when I didn't get my way. And I'm sure that those are coming to her mind right now. Like, But I'm really talking about this like ragey anger to get back to the anger that presents with this generational pattern and not a temper tantrum. Okay, kids have temper tantrums. The reason why I had those temper tantrums was because my dad gave in to my desires and I knew how to get him to say, yes, this is just I got I got what I want. And that's what I told myself. And I got what I want from him a lot of the time. So and there is a great parenting lesson there. Don't give in to your kids tantrums. I do not give in to my kids' tantrums. I do not give them what they are tantruming about. I mean, I could just tell you that a few weeks ago, I would not give my child a popsicle because he asked, and I'm very, very consistent in what I say and what I do. And every once in a while, when some extreme chaos is going on and I'm having a moment as well, I will say something dumb or extreme and then I have to you know like I get back to like sanity because when we're our lids are flipped we're not thinking clearly um and that's that's a fact that's that's development that's when our lids are flipped we're only thinking by our emotions we need to allow that to pass um and really an emotion will pass in 90 seconds if you could just work through that 
it's very difficult for me. Um, see, I have the tools, I have the information. It's very difficult for me when I can't work through it because I have to address something not getting broken or somebody not getting hurt because the extremeness that comes out, right? And that's defeating and it's a very, very difficult. Um, and it's difficult to see in my kids, you know, like, and I am getting emotional right now because to see my kids go through that and to see them struggle, um, it's just something that I don't handle well. It's a trauma response in me that I'm just like, this kid is struggling. And, um, and most of the time I try to help them through that the best that I can. And then sometimes I just can't deal with it because I'm just, there's been so many days of it, or maybe I'm just not functioning at my best that day or whatever. And it's just so difficult to see my boys, to see my children who I love, who have great big hearts and who are just such good kids struggle with this. And it infuriates me in a sense it defeats me in a sense. It makes me so upset. Um, and it makes me realize that there's things that I still have to grow and work out uh, as far as, um, you know, with, with trauma in my life. Like, obviously, this is something that really hasn't been addressed well uh, in my own life. And, um, and, and, and really think about that. But I gave my, uh, I would not give my son a popsicle. Um, so anyway, I was saying that sometimes I do have to recant and say, you know, this was extreme. Like this is actually going to be the consequence. Mommy shouldn't have said that I was angry or, you know, like whatever. And, and we do have to sometimes go back on our word. If it's immediate and you're apologizing for it because you said something dumb, then you should do it. You shouldn't just say, Oh no, I have to stick by that because I said it when it was a really extreme thing or really, really dumb thing to say. Go say your piece about it. Say, hey, like I made a mistake. I shouldn't have said this. I said this because of this reason. This is what's going to happen. And make sure that you say what's going to happen and not just like, oh, that's not going to happen because then they're going to be like, yeah, I get off the hook. I can do this whenever I want. I get off the hook. State the consequence. Always state what's going to happen. Um, this is... The boundary, we set boundaries and boundaries have consequences and those are good things. Um, and uh, and then our kids get to choose. I always tell my child, like especially my five-year-old who just thinks that like everything is everybody else's fault and I'm like really just working with him about like we make choices. You were told that this was going to happen. If this happened, even with running out of time, we told you you had 10 minutes this was, you know, you have to get on the bus. Now you don't get to do this thing that you wanted to do. Um, you know, this morning you took 40 minutes to get dressed. And we don't say it shamingly, you know, like he'll be upset because he can't do something. And I'm like, Jack, well, you know what? You woke up, you had plenty of time. I kept reminding you, you know, like you're running out of time uh, because he is five and it's hard at five to manage your time. But we're working on him learning to manage his time and and to use his time wisely like you get to you know if you take all this time to get dressed and ready then you're not going to have time to do these things that you want to do in the morning before you have to get on the bus and and it then he'll try to blame it on something or somebody else this is the choice that you made you chose to do this instead and you chose to sit on the floor naked this morning I mean this is a real true situation as something we deal with a lot is that he just like is very pokey in the morning probably the slowest he ever is in his whole entire life is when he's getting ready in the morning um and it's always been that way you know he's uh he has ADHD he's got a lot of energy <laughs> he's you know, hardly ever sitting still, but in the morning time, it's a little different for him. A lot different. It's like really pokey, really hard to get up, likes to wake up very, very slowly. Um, and you have to learn about your kids and, and say, this is what is going to work for this child. Um, and this is what works best for him and give them the time that they need. Um, yeah, sometimes it inconveniences up us. Maybe we have to get up a little earlier 
Um, but we really have to meet our kids where they're at. And each kid doesn't get the same exact treatment. Yes, there are rules, but kids are different ages. Kids are different. They develop differently. Some are more mature at a younger age than others. Um, and they will get more privileges, right? Like, so we work really hard on that. Um, and, and that's a good thing. So always make sure that that you're setting a consequence and you're standing by it and that you're setting that boundary and that expectation and, and give your kids the choice and, and really drill that in their head that they get choices, that they get to manage, you know, you get to manage your time, you get to manage your choices. And sometimes there's a good consequence if you, you know, make this decision, this is going to happen. And if you make this decision, this is going to happen and you get to make the choice. Because at the end of the day, we have free will and they're going to make the choice anyway. And if we can help them make the right choice by explaining things to them, especially from a young age, then you're going to see the fruit of that. Even if it takes five years, even if it takes 10 years, your kids are really going to think about those things. Um, and they do, we just lose our patience and we, we always want, we live in a, in a society, in a country where everybody wants a quick fix for everything. And that's just not how parenting should be. It's, uh, it's guiding, it's teaching, it's leading. And yes, it's annoying sometimes when you have to repeat yourself and you have to like literally sound like a broken record and go through all of these things, but it's worth it. You're planting seeds, seeds that they're going to hear, you know, that are going to grow it and they're going to hear these things over and over in their heads when they get to an age where it really, really matters. Um, and we want to start these things young. It takes a lot longer for them to learn them when they're young. But I think if they learn them before they're teenagers, maybe those years go a little bit better for us too. We're like, you get the choices. You get to, you know, it's like the devil and the angel sitting on your shoulder. If you make this choice, this is going to happen. If you make this choice, this is going to happen. We drill that in our kids very, very young. Um, and no, they don't always seem to like get it right away. Um, but we always instill that in them. And Jack is starting to think about these things now um, and really understand, well, if I do this, then I'm not going to be able to do this. Right. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're getting that, you know, not, not in a shameful way, but like, wow, it's good when we see fruit, right? And sometimes it takes longer than we expect it to. So going back to uh, what we were talking about. So I would not give in to this, um, to this popsicle. He had already had a popsicle. I don't remember why the answer was no, that he couldn't have a popsicle. I mean, he didn't have one like immediately before that, but I got down on his level like you're supposed to do. Um, I got like, I would teach a mom to do, I got, you know, before I took the popsicle from him, I'm like, Oliver, we're not going to have the popsicle. This is why maybe you can have the popsicle after dinner. Um, you know, and we talk about like earning things a lot, like maybe, you know, if, as long as you eat your dinner, then, then you can have a popsicle or whatever. I don't remember exactly what I said. And he just hauled off and punched me because he got mad. And, and this is what I mean is like, that is unacceptable. Um, he got a consequence for that. He had to go uh, sit down and take a break and, um, and go cool off. But, um, and, and I said to him, like, I just, it happened so quickly and he's never, ever punched me in the face. I mean, I don't think he's done that to my husband either, probably his brother, but they're brothers, right? Like, so, um, I was just, didn't even see it coming. And I, happened so fast that I was unable to even react to stop it. Um, I really wasn't expecting it. It was just like one of these things, but this is like all of a sudden, you know, over a popsicle, not being able to have a popsicle, he just really got mad. And you know, like how I handled that situation is Oliver, I am not going to allow you to hit me. That is unacceptable. The answer to the popsicle is no, it's not changing. I know that's hard for you and I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry that you feel bad about that. And I'm sorry that you're angry. And the answer is no. And you do not hit. Hitting hurts, you know, like whatever. So I'm um, explaining to him like that really hurt mom. And um, I was just kind of just giving you like a quick rundown version of it. But um, and we don't do it while they're still mad. We talk to them about that later, you know, but like 
I'm not going to let you hit like just very quickly. I'm not going to let you allow you to hit me. That's unacceptable. And we're going to go take a break. You need to, uh, you know, you need to take some breaths. You need to calm down, whatever, give him a tool uh, that he likes to use. Not every kid's going to want to take breaths. Some kids need to, a pillow to punch, you know, whatever it is. Um, but you have to figure out what it is. And sometimes that's challenging. And we're going through that with him right now. It's like, what is that thing that you need to do to get this, to get this out and to deal with it while it's happening so that you're not internalizing it and just becoming this angry person because he is really a joyful child who's just so, so silly I mean, and they struggle, they go through this and they're just so frustrated and so upset and they don't know what to do. And we've worked along uh, really hard with Jack through this and he, um, we don't see these behaviors in him much anymore. Uh, we go through regressions in the winter. Um, he more, he more verbally um, dumps and tells us how he feels now and he doesn't, neither one of them. Uh, act this way anywhere else that they go they're on their best behavior usually so um it just I like dealing with that and things like that and, and it like just trying to destroy my house and like having to react in the moment to the destruction that could take place Luckily, many things don't get broken in our house because we're really good at like just jumping in and diffusing that part of the chaos, but it makes it so it's very difficult for us to manage the chaos that's going on within us, like how that affects us. Like, you know, like, oh my gosh, like this is just like, it just makes it really difficult in the moment to be able to deal with your own emotions about it, especially when you're triggered by something like that, um, because of the reasons that I had told you before. So it's just something that's so difficult for me to deal with. And, you know, here I am a mom and and sometimes this comes out of me and I don't understand why or what to do about it. And it's something that I hate. I mean, really, come on, look at what I do. Look at who I help. How can this be my greatest struggle and one I didn't ever think or know I would struggle with as a mom? I didn't know that. Just came at me out of left field like, whoa. And most importantly, and what defeated me the most was that I needed to help my kids through this. I needed to break these chains I certainly did not need to join in on the chaos. And I am somebody who craves peace. I've been seeking peace my whole entire life, not within myself, but within my environment. You know, like I don't want to be like when things start to get like chaotic, like I told you before, I peace out like see ya. And I go and I, I put myself in an environment where it's peaceful. Um, I left somebody that I loved very, very much because the environment for me was starting to get very chaotic and uncomfortable and it was starting to disrupt my peace and um and I had to really look at my life and say is this how I want to live uh and it was giving me a lot of anxiety and a lot of uh just internal um affecting me really internally and I just said I just have to walk away from this I can't deal with this anymore and it wasn't like I didn't give it a chance or didn't fight for it um I did I don't need to get into that story it's irrelevant to my life but I'm just saying that I loved that person immensely thought there was a time I thought I would never ever ever leave that person uh fought very very hard to get into that relationship and to be in it and I think that might be a red flag in itself if you have to do that Um, but, um, truly didn't think (coughs) that I would ever leave that situation. And I did because it was disrupting my peace and I needed to go find peace for myself and my life. And, you know, joining in the chaos in my family and having to deal with that, Uh, it's just, I just didn't understand why I was triggered by it. 
like why it triggered me so much and then it hit me and it's not like I haven't thought about it before I knew this was the answer at least a part of it but I didn't know what to do about it what I see happen in my boys was what I watched my whole entire life and I talked about that a little before zero to 100 in 2.2 seconds um just going from content to like pissed off and like just raging and I'm like what's even happening I don't feel that it takes me a long time to get there but when I see these things happen I like literally something happens inside of me and I don't handle it the best all the time you know so we're going from zero to a hundred in 2.2 seconds throwing things breaking things screaming and yelling calling of names I participate in the screaming and yelling at times, but my kids, like I said before, have never seen me break things, have never seen me throw things or be completely and utterly mean like they can get when they're just so unhappy over something so trivial, right? And they've never seen their dad like that either. And it amazes me that the things I watched growing up, the things I was exposed to, I'm now reliving, except now I'm watching my kids go through it. And that not only causes a trigger to go off to the trauma I suffered in my life being exposed to this, but it also infuriates me. And I said that before. And some days I really cannot handle the pressure of it and the lid flies off and I've done everything I've thought I could do to prevent this from happening I've gone to counseling I've read a hundred books I've done classes I've done all the things I thought that I could do and I just couldn't overcome it or so I thought I always felt like I was missing the answer like it was right in front of my face and that it shouldn't be so hard and yet here I was fighting this trauma response that was triggered in me by my own children and that day as I laid in bed and had all these thoughts also thought I'm quitting my business I'm not qualified to teach I cannot help anyone else when I cannot even help myself and this probably isn't what I should be doing although deep down inside of myself I knew that those were all lies teaching and helping moms and their families is literally what I live and breathe for and I feel that deep within every ounce of my being and I am also no quitter I may get defeated at times but I never live there I eventually found a teensy bit of energy that day and I got out of bed and I went downstairs and the following week started out rough. Another bout of sickness with one of my kids, a busy start to the week and still feeling down about what happened. You see, I hold myself to a higher standard than I would a mom I'm working with or a friend or anyone else because I'm educated and trained in all the best practices when it comes to parenting. So if I'm not showing up that way 100% of the time, I can be rather hard on myself. I also have to remind myself that I'm human and I'm a mom just like everyone else. And a lot of mom coaches have older or grown kids and are not in the very nitty-gritty heart of parenting in the early years like I am. (coughs) Excuse me. I also am the worst on myself if I have a moment like I did that day because I know how kids are affected by that. In my home, now it's not as intense in my home now, now it's not as intense for me as it was growing up. Excuse me. I also always humble myself and apologize when I do screw up something that was also not done in my home growing up. I push myself through the rough start to the week and back into my healthy routine, went to the groups in my community that I'm a part of and attended a Tony Robbins training. And if you don't know who Tony Robbins is, Ma, write that name down and Google him. This guy is one of the most well-respected and known coaches in the country. He has coached our presidents. He has coached huge celebrities. He is amazing. I saw an ad on YouTube for him years ago, and I told Chris I needed to go to one of his events. I looked the event, uh, the next event up that he had and super excitedly uh, really thought I was going to go, and it was just way too much money at the time. I was so disappointed, but I promised myself I would get to one of his life-changing events one day. There were so many things in that challenge uh, that I did that I already knew um, because he was offering a free challenge. And and I did this challenge of his uh, that following week after this this happened. And um, there were a lot of things that I already knew and really needed to be reminded of. And then there were so many things that I wish I had known all along, like what emotional fitness is. Instead of being so focused on emotional intelligence, something that I've actually studied 
over and over for years now. The challenge encouraged me. And um, next month I'm doing his four-day Unleash the Power Within experience. And I'm so stoked. Uh, Did attending training this event solve all my problems? No. It still is very challenging to deal with my children's anger and to help them navigate through it. Some days I just don't feel like I have it in me to do so. Especially when my head hasn't even left the pillow yet and coffee hasn't even been uh, made, let alone graze my lips. We've been talking a lot about what we focus on uh, in the podcast this year so far, and there's something to that mama. I know that focusing on who the mom we want to be and getting really clear about that is what we need to do rather than focusing on the mom we don't want to be as I have done for so long. How many other moms can relate to my story? I wish I knew the answer to that because we so often suffer alone in silence and we shouldn't. We should have the support of other moms and let go of the shame. We should encourage each other to be the moms we want to be and to claim that is who we are even before it happens. There's a softness that needs to be done inside of me. I spent so many years having to be tough and hard on myself or hard uh, to protect myself from the many traumas that have presented in my life that I can sometimes be rough around the edges, but I'm working on and claiming that I am softer, that I am the calm, and that I am a silly mom who dances around everywhere. So this week, Mama, come up with three simple adjectives uh, that you can easily remember and write it everywhere and repeat it to yourself so often that it is embedded in your memory. Who is that mom that you want to be? I'm soft. I am, I am a soft, calm, and silly mom who dances around everywhere. I am, what are the ver- adjectives for you? The verbs. <laughs> Stop focusing and then use it as a verb to act. Stop focusing on the mom that you don't want to be. The mom who showed up and had a bad day. Forgive her and let her know that she's human. And that at any given moment in life is a chance. It's a great opportunity to start over. We can apologize to who we need to. We can offer forgiveness, not only to others, but to ourselves. And we get to decide to focus on the mom we want to be. So mama, who is that mom? Who is that mom that you want to be? Because that's what we need to focus on. So do that as a challenge this week um, with just coming up with those three adjectives and really focus on who that is. Think about that. I hope you accept my challenge because it's so important that we change our focus. Until next week, mama, we are going to talk about befriending the future you, the mom that you want to be. We're going to talk about befriending her, okay? So you don't want to miss that. Mama, if this message resonated with you, please check out the description of this episode where you can learn more about how you can work with me and to be a more purposeful mom in your home starting today. There you will also find a link to sign up for the Pillars for Purposeful Motherhood course at an amazing discounted price that is only good for the next 48 hours. So you definitely want to make sure to hop on that amazing deal before it's gone.